0: through verses 1 through 8, okay? All right, if you guys will stand up, let's read that together. Oh, one more thing. We've been so blessed having Roxy with us, right? She's been a blessing helping out Gabby's, you know, having not having to do it every single week, but it's been so sweet having her. Uh, she just got offered like a co-worship leader spot at the church she's at, the packing house, which is the one that I was at. So... We're not going to be able to see her as often, but maybe we'll be able to work it out every once in a while. But hasn't she been a blessing to have with us? So if you appreciate her, go tell her thank you and, and uh, give her some love, all right? All right, so uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort... In the Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all, uh, all of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, this book of... Or this letter, First Thessalonians, um, that has timeless truths in it. Lord, we thank you that your word is is it's alive and living, and it divides us and it and it cuts us to the heart, Lord, where we need it. Lord, to to show us like life in you. And like, and of course the opposite, Lord, that you, it shows us where we're supposed to be. We would, that we can know your will. So God, we pray that you'd speak to us this morning by your spirit, Lord. We pray that you would, um, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth, that we'd be receptive. Our hearts would be softened, be able to understand it and change. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So you guys may be seated. Uh, Quick recap. This church was established in under a month. If you guys have been here for the whole you've heard this a lot of times, but you probably never forget it, right? Paul's a big fan of repetition, so we can do that too. It was established in under f- four weeks, under a month. So it was like three, sun, three Sabbaths, right? So three s- Saturdays. Uh, and, and Paul had worried about them because he thought, man, they were established really quickly. He knew they were in hostile territory, that there was a lot going on there. And so he was worried and concerned. So he sent Timothy back to him. He found out they were doing really well, that they were so grateful for Paul and his like, you know, his ministering to them and his fatherly pastoral heart. Uh, and Paul's like, I really, really wish I could be there. I'm still praying that I could be there so that I could encourage you guys. And at the be- end of chapter three, he says, and I may, and I made the Lord make, make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that you may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So Paul's saying, I wanna help you guys to establish your hearts to be blameless without blame. This doesn't, again, does not mean perfection, sinless perfection, but that like you'd be right. You'd have, uh, uh, sin would be taken account of, that you'd, you'd have this right relationship where you're following God honestly and, and in a real transparent way. It wouldn't be fake, it wouldn't be hypocritical. And holiness, and, and we've talked about again and again, holiness really means set apart or dedicated to, and we use the example of the, the holy plates and the holy, all the different holy uh, instruments that were used in the temple. They were not holy in the sense of what they were, it was the fact that they were dedicated to a specific task. And so we, as believers, are found, find ourselves in our holiness, in our dedication to the Lord, our cleansing that comes from him, and then our dedication to following him. That's what holiness is. So you kind of lose that whole like halo around your head and, and all this. It's like, no, you're just dedicated to a real cause. This is something the world is desperately looking for. Something to be a part of that matters, Right? Where do I find my place? Where can I make a difference? Where can I you know, show that I, you know, I'm about more than just myself? And, and that's a good desire. That's a Christ-like desire. But where it goes from there, it's really important that we make sure that's right. So this is, this is us looking and seeing uh, God's calling to us to be dedicated to his task, to become part of what he's been doing since the beginning of creation relationship with mankind, and then as it was severed at the garden, now restoration that's found in Christ, living out our faith like Abraham, with trust, believing God, even when it doesn't make sense, right? Our obedience, following him, no matter what he says, trusting him, even, you know, when it might not make sense, and and then showing him how we, we live that out, always looking to Jesus, To fulfill that. So verse 1 of chapter 4, kind of like a little bit of a recap, bringing you in here. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So he wanted to establish their hearts in blamelessness and holiness before God. He's now saying we urge and exhort. The idea is to encourage them. I really want to encourage you like with everything I have. You know that feeling when you see someone making a a mistake. Maybe you see a friend and they're going out with someone that you're like, this is such a bad idea. Do you know that feeling of urging them? Like, please listen to me, or or a child making a decision. You're like, that is not a good decision. So you you pull out every single trick in the book, every plea you can think of. Paul, he lived like that. So he's like, I'm urging you, I'm exhorting you in every way that I can, right? In the Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us, uh, how you ought to walk to please God. So they were walking and pleasing God. We actually know this from the report of Timothy. Paul found out they were faithful. They were enduring persecution, which was like heavily rampant at this time. This church that was established so quickly was being faithful, but Paul's saying that you would be established more and more. As you're doing, that you would be doing it even more. It's a process. And we're going to talk a lot about sanctification because that's really what this is about right go back justification that's salvation right right at the beginning. okay, I accept you Lord I, I recognize you're, you're sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I understand the blood that was shed that that takes the the remission of sins, we're made new in Christ. That's justification. I'm now made right with God. I can have a relationship with him. Glorification, you know, when you die, you, you go off to be with the Lord or, or however it happens, the end. We go and we with the Lord for eternity. No more problems, no more stress, no more struggles. Glorification. It's done. Sanctification is the process we're in right now. Right? And so he's saying, even as you do, do it more. You're going to continue to grow, you know? We, we understand this with other principles, you know? You might have thought it was amazing. I remember when I first started playing guitar, I thought, wow, if I could play this song, that would be amazing, you know? That would be so cool if I could play this song. And back in the day, it was like, I remember there was like, the, what got me to play guitar was they were going to do this band for the church, and it was, the song was, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Do you guys remember that one? It was the song every single kid learned how to play guitar on first back in the day. G, C, D. It was just like the most simple thing ever. you know. And so I, that's what I you know, would strive to do. And I remember the time came, and we went up there to play, and I had this electric guitar, and I'd practiced so much in my room. Got up there, and all the other kids are playing, and they're jamming out, and I'm just, just absolutely destroying the song. And for some reason, I had no regard to, like, not play or to turn down. Anyway, I just thought, you know, maybe it sounds better out there than it does here, even without playing any of the right notes. But as time went on, that was like ninth grade, as time went on, I kept playing. Before you know it, you could that song was like, Okay, I could do that, I could do this, I could do that, and you start learning different ones, and then you'd be like, Oh, I'll never be able to do that when then all of a sudden you can't. You know, it's all part of a process. We understand process. And so sanctification is just that, it's a process. You grow and and, and it's not like a in the same of learning guitar, like you're on your own. It's like you grow, and, and things are revealed to you, and then you go, wow, that's amazing. And then all of a sudden, there's more things revealed to you. you know, and, and I've said this before, and, and I'll say it again. If you knew everything that had to get cleaned up in your life right when you first accepted Jesus, we would all give up. Like, if you knew all the stuff that was going to have to change, if you actually found out all the junk, it, it's way more than you think. Because you think, wow, if I could just do this, and you get there, and you're like, whoa, I'm way worse than I thought. Whoa, there's way more junk in there than I thought. Whoa, there's way more to to sift through than I thought. And the Lord graciously, and patiently is getting us, as we're obedient, to see transformation in our lives. But as we grow, we keep growing. So it's not the idea that you're going to get somewhere and then, you know, it's just nothing, and it just stays static, right? And we actually have warnings about that in the Bible. Think about the life of David. Right? David was this man of God, and he was a man of action, and, and he took care of stuff, man. He was like a gnarly warrior, and, and, uh, and then, you know, in a time when kings go to battle, what did David do? He stayed home, and as he stood home, he thought, you know what? I think I've earned this one. We'll phone this one in. I've done enough. I've, you know, I've fought enough battles. I've done, you know what? I'm just going to sit back, relax, and just enjoy. Just be about me for a while. Of course, we know uh, the Bathsheba story came out of that. David, when he should have been doing something, next thing you know, he's involved in adultery and murder. Just like that. And it costs him greatly. So our relationship with the Lord, it's never like a static thing where you're like, finally, when I get to that place, I'll have arrived. So we got to get that out of our head. It's an active pursuit of holiness, and God's going to continue to show us and continue to grow us. And so Paul's saying, please be mindful of this, continue to walk, even as you've already been doing it, do it more. So when he says how to walk, what he really means is how to live. Sometimes we, we get that a little bit confused, right? So I urge you and exhort you in Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk to please God. This is your walk with God. It's your life. How you're supposed to live in accordance with knowing that you're of him, a believer. This is how you're supposed to live for you know what the commandments we gave through our Lord Jesus. The instructions we gave you, how to please God, and how to honor, it's easier than we think. Right? This is an example. How many times have we said, Lord, what is your will for my life? We don't want to read this. Right? When he tells you, you know, hey, this is, I, I got you. I already know. I already know what the will is. You know? And he's going he's gonna to go through and he's going to make it really clear in the next part. And that, but the key is that us honoring, choosing to honor God. That's what he says there. You know? How you ought to walk and to please God. And we have to ask ourselves, who are we pleasing? You know, I think we're, it's, it, we're living in a tricky era right now, in a tricky world. That's everything's about honoring something, right? And if we don't honor God above all, we're going to find ourselves honoring something else. So what are three things that hold us back from honoring God? Preferring uh, the honor of others, right? We don't want to rock the boat we like the feelings we get of doing what everybody else is doing and, and and the respect and the and you know oh wow you're such a cool guy whatever whatever just to make it fit in with the daily news or whatever the status quo it's like you don't want to go upstream that's tough that's not fun, you know but honoring god is going to mean not honoring others right it's going to mean at times. Obviously, God wants us to, to have our lives be like, uh, what's the two commandments, two greatest commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. So we're loving our neighbor, but we're not putting them above our love for God or, or our, uh, finding our hope or our identity in their approval. Second one would be preferring to honor ourselves, our choices, our desires. Why should I listen to what God has to say? I know what feels right for me. I know what I want to do. And so we, we're the kings and queens of excuses. We have all these reasons why we really shouldn't have to listen to him or do what he says he wants us to do, right? Because we want to honor ourselves. We are the Lord on the throne of our own lives. So it could be honoring others, honoring ourselves, or not believing God is faithful to fulfill his word. We just don't believe he cares or, or, or is able to do it. So we don't honor him or his word because we think, ah, I don't know. All these other people are doing it. it. doesn't seem to matter. So we lose, and it shows a lack of faith. And we really aren't saying we believe or believing the things we say we believe. And that's like highly problematic. It's hypocritical, Right? To say you believe something, but then to have no action to follow that up, it means you don't believe it enough, right? We all can be there. I read this quote by Adrian Rogers. He was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention back in the days. He's, he's with the Lord now. He says, if you please God, it doesn't matter whom you displease. If you displease God, it doesn't matter whom you please. So getting that right from the start changes everything. And, and, and it's like a real litmus test for ourselves. Where am I on this? Do I see this right? Am I missing this? Because what we're going to talk about is we're dealing with tricky territory, especially in 2021. Verse three, what is the will of God? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. The will of God is that you grow in knowing him and that you grow in being like him, that your life is being transformed. You know? There's the, the initial transformation again in justification. We come to know the Lord. Our lives are transformed. We're regenerated. We're we, we are, It's like the spirit of the living God inside of us. We have life in us again. Or maybe for the first time. But sanctification is the process. The will of God is that we are in the process of becoming more like him. We're in the fight. We're honoring him. Perfect, absolutely not, but striving to follow him, grieved by our own sin, not laxed with it. Get it? This is the will of God. It's really simple. And he says that you should abstain. So your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. God is calling us to holiness, he wants us to be dedicated, set apart for Him, and to abstain, which means just to stay away from sexual immorality. I get the uh, the picture when I see to stay away of like resist the devil and flee, run from the devil, run from trouble, get out of here. Like that's a sometimes that's the best thing you could do, bolt. You know, when they don't be messing around or setting up camp there or whatever. You know, think about like Lot and Lot's wife, you know, that Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, all of a sudden they're there, they're hanging out, they're in the culture, and then all of a sudden the culture's in them. And it's so easy for that to happen. But God's will is our sanctification and that we would stay away from sexual immorality. It's important also to understand the Christian sexual ethic would have been foreign To the people of Thessalonica. You know, we'll get into that more in a second here. Uh, But yeah, okay, verse four and five that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. A lot of times we think about old world stuff, it's like, man, it was probably so easy. Every, you know, they didn't really have sin like we had then. Read the Bible. I mean, like, read, read the Bible. I mean, it is, like, so gnarly, you know? I remember going to Bible college, and people would, they'd, like, write down little verses, and, and they'd be, like, the most gnarly, nasty verse or whatever, and you're like, well, you'd are like, be like, oh, I, Lord, give me a verse for you, and they'd give it to you, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a total joke, you know, obviously. But you're just like, oh, whoa, 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 wow, some, some crazy, like, Deuteronomy or Leviticus verse or something. You're like, right, okay, you know? But wickedness, I mean, it is rampant. I mean, it was rampant in the children of Israel, right? That's why we had to deal with exile, right? God had to keep on purging and cleansing his people. I mean, it, 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 wickedness, it is not new. We think we're so cutting edge, and we're just falling in line with, like, the same, same old stuff. The wisest man that ever lived, right? Besides Jesus, right? Solomon, Nothing new under the sun, everything's the same again and again and again, right? So we think, oh, you know our world's more sexually corrupt, everything we're dealing with it's 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 a lot harder than the past, so i don't know if we should be really applying ourselves to the same standards. it's a lot tougher now um, this it really shows a lack of historical understanding. if you look at the way that like the the rulers and the way they treated people, the way they treated children. I mean, it's, I'll save you the details. It's actually pretty disgusting. And that's not pretty disgusting. It's super disgusting. So a lot of the perversion we see now is just falling in line with the same thing from the beginning because it's got the same root. You know, we're not dealing with new roots. And so what's nice to know about that is, the solution to that problem is the same too. The solution to darkness is light. So back then, they still faced a lot of the big problems. Marriage was like a mixed bag of importance, even amongst the Jews. They would like, like kill you for adultery, right? Don't murder, don't you know, commit adultery, all these different things. But divorce had found its way in, and they'd, they'd had these stipulations and they took full-on reign of that. It was you know, initially like you know, uh, an affair, and then it turned into shame, any kind of shame uh, was found in her. And they took this, and these are literal things that they would call the shame of the woman, right? That they would call this something that, that, uh, that she had shame found in her. Um, if her voice, they call her a brawler, if her voice could be heard by the neighbors next door, during an argument, do they even have windows, you know, they had, you're like, that's a, that's a pretty tough one, having her head uncovered in public, out, you know, this one was my favorite one, putting too much salt on the food, now, that might be murderous, if you have high blood pressure, (laughs) so I don't know exactly, I don't know how much they understood that back then, but, uh, you know, But they had found a way, and sin always finds a way. Gets real creative, hypocritical. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that's not right, right? So that's what was going on in the Jewish world. In Greece, it was way worse, right? In the the Roman, and the Greco-Roman world, it was way worse, right? Demosthenes said this. He wrote this. This was of the Greek culture. In Greece, we keep prostitutes for pleasure. We keep mistresses for the day-to-day needs of the body. We keep wives for the begetting of children and for the faithful guardianship of our homes. So long as a man supported his wife and faith, there was no shame whatsoever in extramarital relationships. The good old days, you know, back when things were simple. So it's really important to understand that for those in Thessalonica that you notice it said no shame that was status quo. So like people there was no cuz even like now we're dealing with a lot of issues, right? No one wants to be told what to do sexually any of these different things. And 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 a lot of the saying we don't want to feel shame because of the fact that there is a judeo-christian background there's a foundation. Awesome. Good lungs. I love it. Um, we have that. So there's, there is that where we kind of know, you yeah, know, I don't. I could fight against all I want, but I know, at the very least, I know some people are not down for this. Imagine growing up in a culture where you literally didn't think there was any issue with this at all. And it was like, no big deal. You grew up in it. Your family grew up in it. That's the hardest things, by the way, to overcome. When your family is totally cool with something, and it's like normal, and then you find out that it's not normal. God, no. I grew up like that. That's No, that's different. Well, we'll make, you know, this kind of thing. You kind of learn that. You know, eye for an eye, or, or like a, you know, turn the other cheek. Right. But in San Bernardino... That's not how that works. So you got to understand some culture, some context, you know. Let me bring you in, you know. Lord, I know good ideals, right? But I, I got a better thing, you know. That doesn't work. So we have these kind of things in our head. So imagine being brought up in that whole culture, and then you're introduced to this Christian sexual ethic that is totally different. And you're asked to leave all of that behind for this new life. And they were doing it. So Paul said, you're doing it even more. I want to see it even more so. Because I think this is the main thing. They understood that following God was the very best decision they could possibly make. There was no better decision they could possibly make. There was nothing that their, And a lot of times, it's the people who have experienced all the sin. They know it doesn't equate to anything. It doesn't give you what you thought it would give you. In fact, it takes away more than you thought it would. Right? And so he's saying, you guys, pay attention. You are called to possess your own vessel. Your, that's your body. We're called the, it's a vessel. A jars, you know, jars of clay, earthen vessels, that the mystery is inside of, which is the good news of the gospel, that we're living out the gospel, which makes us somehow stand in the midst of the most gnarly circumstances because it's God's power, not us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, right? So we have this vessel. We're supposed to possess it in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. It means we're supposed to be under control means we're called to be control, under control. I know it's tough. I know it's, it's, it's a battle, especially in the world we're living in right now. But God has called us to this for a good reason. Anything the Lord's trying to keep us from is saving us from like so much pain. Think about it. all the sin that you kind of winked at and you let take over your life. I mean, was it good? just for like the shortest season, right? And then the rush you got the first time becomes harder and harder to find. And you find yourself deeper and deeper, never able to find that pure flesh elation ever again. And now you're a slave just to act and feel normal. That's what they say heroin addiction is like, right? Right? constantly chasing all of a sudden you've got to you've got to be doing it so you're not sick and this is what sin is this is what it does to us and it's so gnarly and God's like saying you are called to be able to control yourself so if you go oh you know I'm saying I know this is just something I'll never do well that's then you're saying that God didn't ask, he asked you to do something that you weren't able to do that's not true right and does this mean that you never make any mistakes the rest of your life? Uh, it would be great if that was the case. It's never your desire to do that. But he's given us this ability to come to him and, and, and repent and to ask for forgiveness and to confess our sins to one another. We'll get into that a little bit more here in a second. But it was a, a wild world they were living in. And so he, they were called out of it in a dramatic Fashion and and I think part of what we see is uh, the church is largely lost a lot of our influence because we have an unholy church trying to save an unholy world and it's not working. No one's no one's standing on solid ground, you know, and that's such a bummer. You know, and this isn't meant to be anything like heavier, or like or like um, condemning, but absolutely convicting. Conviction is good. Conviction means that the Spirit is working in your life. If you're completely okay with sin, then that's a big problem, right? If you're struggling with it, that's a good sign. God wants to free us. We've all been there in one way or another, right? So go, so that no one, check this out, no one would take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, to be dedicated, to be changed. And then he says this, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother. Sexual immorality affects more than you. It affects everyone around you. And as we see it greatly affects our culture, doesn't it? Makes a big difference, right? And a lot of like the really, really gnarly things we deal with, like um, sex trafficking, all that, you know, Annie's involved in that. You, know, I, you got to pray for Annie, please, because they have a target on their back for what they're doing. They're going in and exposing like the most gnarly darkness. I was talking to a friend and he says, I think it's like a full on, th- there might not be a more attacked thing in the world than people who are fighting against sex trafficking. I mean, it's insane spiritual. So when it comes up and it does, it feels weighty and heavy and, and, and you're fighting against this. and You go, how did we get here? We didn't just jump right to that spot. There's a lot of things that have led up to that. And so uh, it comes back to the same spot where we're going, Lord, um, I, I want to be saved and-, and-, and changed and transformed and sanctified so I'm not hurting people around me or-, or taking advantage of people around me or myself and that we would be a bride that would be holy before you. It's important to understand we, we steal from each other when we fall into this stuff. We're called to be dedicated or set apart. Then he says this, therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, um, Ignoring any part of the Bible is so dangerous, especially a clear command that says this is the will of God. And it's so obvious or so easy for us to, to like, I don't know, be flippant. That's not that big of a deal. It's kind, okay, whatever. It's just the world we're living in, you know like we can move on past that and 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 it's easy to do that. It really is and and here's the important thing. I, this is not supposed to be like a legalistic, heavy, hardcore trip, no, absolutely not, but it is, like I said, meant to be a place where we can see god's standard, and we all have to respond to that, and maybe we're all a little convicted in one way or another, whether it's sexual or whatever sin where you find yourself against the word of God and you're deciding that you might know better. So if you reject this, you're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God. You're saying, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I don't need to listen to what you say because I know better. How's that worked out in our lives, right? There's been so many times I've thought that, you know. We've told this, I've told the story about when I outright denied God telling me not to do this, and I did it, and I told my friends, don't let me do this, and they said, okay, don't do it, and you're like, leave me alone, and the results were disastrous. Could you guess that that was coming next, you know? It's been many times like that, you know, where you're like, you know, all right, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and he's like, okay, that's that's what you get. You reap what you sow. So sowing is really important. Because you're not going to know until way down the road, a lot of times, what the full result is going to be. Sowing is important and understanding. All right, Lord, I trust you. So he says, therefore, he rejects this, does not reject man, but God. And what does he say next? He Who has given us his Holy Spirit. So what's the point of the Holy Spirit? Why were we given the Holy Spirit? What's What was it called? Jesus called it the... Helper, when I leave, you it's good. I know you don't want me to leave, but when I leave, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna send you the helper and he's gonna convict the world of sin, right? And he's gonna lead you into truth. I'm gonna give you what you need to help you. It's gonna convict you. It's gonna lead you to truth. It's gonna empower you when you need to be empowered to speak, to endure, to have wisdom, this comes from the Holy Spirit. We go, oh, cool. But then when you reject that, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit's work on our lives. When we spit against the conviction, we slowly become more and more callous. You might remember one of the first times you lied, a big lie. I've shared my story multiple times. And it was just like painful. But then when you told your like hundredth lie, you're like, did I lie? And then you know people maybe you know, I played baseball with this guy years ago, and, and he was just lied about everything. Like, every single thing he would lie about it. And it seemed like. And so you just don't trust them at all. Like, I know you're saying this to me, but I just don't believe you at all. Because it slowly, be, be, you stop. And, and the craziest thing, and they say this, is they actually start believing their lies. And that's so dangerous. And I actually think that's kind of the problem we're dealing with right now is that we've kicked against conviction so long and tried to get rid of conviction that's God-given to lead us into life and light and beauty and peace and joy. And we don't want to be told we're doing the wrong thing because we just want to do it no matter what. So we kick against it, we kick against it, and then all of a sudden, we've done it so many times, we don't hear it anymore, and now we believe our own lies, And that's how you get to the place where you go, how in the world are we believing that that is truth? How in the world can you defend that? It's because you believe yourself. You believe your own junk. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us and changes us. And so if you're convicted, if I'm convicted in any way, thank God. (laughs) Because that means he can still speak to us and get used to it. That's part of the Christian life. It's going to be constant conviction. Oh, why did I do that? why did I say that thing I shouldn't have said? I knew I shouldn't have said that. I had to have the last word. I had to say that one thing. You know that feeling. It comes out of your mouth and you're like, see ya. <laughs> also, there goes, you know, the rest of the day. Conviction is a good thing. Uh, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you know? If we say we don't have sin, we're liars. But we go before the Lord and we confess our sins. We recognize them. Lord, where are you convicting me? Search me and know me. Let me see where there's this stuff in me. If I, if, especially if you're not at peace, this is the first place to look. This is the first place to look. Lord, where am I just in outright, blatant, uh, disrespect and and sin? Where am I in complete unbelief and disregard for what you are? Where is it? If it's there, show me. Reveal it to me, Lord, and give me the power. Remember, he's the one that does it. it's, It's him that gives us to will and to do for his good pleasure. He gives us the ability. He gives us the desire and he'll give you everything you need. But you go, okay, Lord, where am I in sin? And confess it to him, we, it's funny, Billy was just sharing uh, out there, we do our before church prayer thing. You're all prayed for before church, isn't that cool? Um, but it was confessing your sins to one another, and he had heard about this pastor who said, was talking about, I might butcher this, we'll see. Um, where that he was talking about, be careful, you know, make sure you're, you're confessing to the right person, but do confess. And he said he would go out into the desert and wait till a rabbit would pop up and he confesses sins to the rabbit and then he'd shoot it. And then, you know, then you're good, you know, like, because you never know. Anyway, uh, I, I think we could do a little better than that. Um, maybe we can have friends that you can trust, but be trustworthy. When someone wants to con- confess and be honest and be real before you, that's good. Start with confessing to the Lord. And if he convicts you and tells you, hey, I need to bring other people in on this because I'm not really handling this very well on my own, especially in, in the realm of sexual sin, uh, accountability is a big deal. Actually, it's a, a big deal with everything. The Lord help me to know where I'm, I, I'm in deep water. Get me out of here. Confess, honest before the Lord. Um, This is not, I know, Lord, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And thank you so much for showing me that I'm drinking poison. So I I wanna lay that poison down and say, take it from me. And then say, hey, if you see me pick that up, don't let me pick it up again. Because I know what the ending of this is and it doesn't end well. Conviction of sin. This is the will of God that we would be able to do this. And he wants us to experience Like, think about it. Has God done bummer things in your life? You know, maybe things haven't gone exactly as you hoped, or maybe you're struggling. You feel like there's really gnarly stuff happening around you all the time. You're like, I feel like I cannot get a break. The world is full of evil, right? And, And really, there is no answer for evil because there's not supposed to be. Like, evil's not supposed to make sense. It's just like, it's the absence of God. And God intervenes to meet us in the midst of all of the struggles and all this. So he wants to, to reach out and to, to help us. But when, when God does something in your life, is it ever like, oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish he wouldn't have freed me. I wish I wouldn't have seen him move in that way or this way. And he wants us to experience that, to have that life, to be walking with him. Conviction is a good thing. And so when we see this, you know, it's easy. These are like hard messages because you go like, That's, this is hard in the world we're living in. You know, it's almost like a hard thing to even to get people to understand that they need to hear this. You know, or like, we, we are all so uptight and, and, you know, leave me alone. Here's my privacy, all this and that. Lord, help us to see, man, this is you, what you told us. And what you were speaking to a culture that was so inundated with it. We don't want to be doing that. Whatever it is, whether it's sexual sin or any other kind of sin. Help us to not be stuck in the status quo, but to rise up and follow and say, we're gonna honor God above anyone else or anything else, including ourselves and our desires. That takes a lot of courage, but you you will reap so much fruit from that. We will reap so much fruit from that. And the best part is, we'll have a witness to the world because we will be holy in the midst of unholy. We will be pure. God will make us shine like bright lights and the world will be able to see a difference in us. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. There's no doubt about it. We need your help. We need your grace.